Dan. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Dan. We're at FanX. We are. That's our opener. <laughs> we are live right now at FanX, which is the big, huge comic pop culture convention in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yep. It's gargantuan. People who have never been to FanX assume that because it's in Utah, it must be small. It is actually no. the third biggest pop culture convention in the country. Yeah. It is ginormous. So. And I was telling the people here in the pre-show, our very interesting pre-show, this is where Intentional Lake started, in this room. Yes. They put us in this room, uh, it was like six or seven years ago. They just put me and you on a panel mm -hmm. and didn't tell us what to do. They just, it, we're just on a panel, and they're like, find something to talk they, about. They like had a hole in their schedule. Yeah. They're like, what are we gonna put in the big room? Uh, Dan these, and these guys. And they just stuck us on a panel together, and so we just started talking, and we found, because you know we've been friends since college, that we enjoy talking. Yeah. <laughs> I want to point out that Kara came up with two bottles of water, gave one to me and then left with the other one. You don't, get, you don't I, get one. My son, who is doing his first time as my assistant, because he's Ooh. now 14, and so we're letting him do assistant duty, went and got me water from the green room. So mine is fancy green room, famous person water. Oh, <laughs> I see how it is. Yeah. Do you guys love the implication that in the Sanderson household, it's, son, you're a man now. <laughs> you're old enough to bring me water. <laughs> Yes, fancy water, fancy famous person water. Hey, food heist. Food heist, do you wanna hear a food heist? Yes. Okay, so this is not a specific individual food heist. This is a string of food theft. Woo, it's a okay. food like. It's like a black a market. A cartel of yes. food heists. This is in Manhattan. Pablo Escargot. They found that um, people are stealing pints of ice cream from like little convenience stores, Dwayne Reed's, CVS. Okay. They are smuggling them out of the convenience store okay. in their pants, which is my favorite part of the story. <laughs> okay. And then that <laughs> melted ice cream gets refrozen and resold to bodegas, uh, which is why if you've ever bought ice cream in a bodega in New York, it's like super freezer burned. It's because it gets smuggled Seriously. in pants. Yeah, this is like a real thing. This is in like all across yeah. New York. I don't think it's all across New York. Okay. But, yeah. Ben One, Jerry's in their pants. Yeah. They target Ben and Jerry's mm -hmm. and Haagen-Dazs and Talenti specifically. You know, I kind of always thought that Haagen-Dazs might secretly be a German word for something embarrassing. <laughs> it means pants ice cream in yeah, Dutch. Yeah, pants ice cream. Um, <laughs> so far, the police have busted seven thieves. Mm -hmm. One particular incident of shoplifting by itself was over $1,600. Wait, one instance. One instance of stolen ice cream, $1,600. Wait, 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 wait. I'm processing this. <laughs> $1,600 of ice cream in their pants. <laughs> uh, Th this, this is New York. I guess it's New York. So like a thing of Ben and Jerry's like 300 bucks. Yeah, it's very, it's, they went to the green room and got the fancy important person <laughs> ice cream. This is my favorite paragraph, so I'm going to read it to you. Cops grilled them for the names of bodegas that are buying the desserts in bulk, mm. but they were tight-lipped and tracking the items is difficult. The evidence is eaten, the source said. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah. Mm. Mm. There, there is an underground black market for oh. like melted pants ice cream in Manhattan. <laughs> And we're going to Manhattan in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, actually, you know what? Number one thing on my list. This is a perfect job for ice cold and lukewarm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> their first days. Yes. <laughs> because they're taking ice cold ice cream and they're making it lukewarm. And they're making it lukewarm. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. By I the way, I almost feel like we don't need a bad story idea now. I had a stroke of genius this morning. Okay. You're gonna love this. You know, you may not have heard it, but we had a podcast where the bad story idea was about George Lu Luke Gorgeous. Luke Gorgeous. Going back in time and making everybody's stories bad so that his looked better, right? Mm -hmm. I came up with a title for it. Luke Gorgeous and the Multiverse of Mediocrity. <laughs> That's actually amazing. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> Someone suggested on the YouTube comments that we get Ryan Reynolds as Luke Gorgeous. You think oh, we yeah. can swing that? Oh, yeah. He'd be really good. I think he'd be down for it. He'd be perfect. He yeah. likes dumb movies. <laughs> well, now he's not going to say yes. No, no, no. We like dumb movies, too. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Bad story idea. Okay. I was reading... Hang on. I'm going to fill my mouth with water just in case I need to, oh, to do, a, do okay. a spit take. Okay. Okay. So, I was talking to Ben. You know Ben, mm -hmm. our mutual friend Ben, yes. who was your roommate than my roommate. Yes. And he told me this outlandish idea that I don't think it can possibly be true. Because he talked about a world where you have to get up in the morning at a specific time. Doesn't I'm that not, sound far-fetched? I'm not buying this. Yeah. Yeah. And wait, are we talking about adults? Because my kids have to get up. Yeah, kids, to go to school. yeah, we don't pay attention to them. Yeah. Okay. In the world, like he, yeah. and, and it was like early. It was like eight o'clock or something like that. That's grotesque. Yeah. It's like two hours after you go to bed. Is this a prison? Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets worse. Okay. He has to go to a specific place every day. Every, the same place same every place day. Same place every day. And they don't let him write stories. Can he go in his pajamas? No. He's got to wear like real clothes. They don't let him write stories, and there's a mean person there that if he tries to write stories instead of doing the other stuff they tell him to do, they take away his money. So this is a horror story. It's a, horror, it's a dystopian horror story. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna talk about, um, oh. <laughs> no I mean, segue whatsoever. No, that's obviously not an actual bad story idea. I actually have one, we'll do it in our next episode. But I actually have these things. I, I didn't are, tell you they? about this. No. You kept them far away because they're radioactive. I brought something, something very cool. Okay. Well, you know how on the podcast we are always, I am always signing something. Uh-huh. I brought... Do I have to sign things? ...us intentionally blank cards <laughs> with a Fanex thing on the back. Oh, and nice. so we can give them to people who came to our panel. Sweet! <laughs> okay. Messing around with to get my pen out of my pocket involved messing with Yeah, the... I don't know if this is okay. going to make it much less interesting because we're going to be looking down. Yeah. But... Also, he's good at this. I've never done yeah. this before. <laughs> I can't sign and talk at the same time. Oh, Dan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you. So we are talking today about jobs. I hope you guys like looking at like 
my bald spot <laughs> instead of my face. We don't have to do this. You don't want. I just no, thought it was good. I, I think it's away. awesome. You know, we don't have to sign the whole. No, time. these are amazing. Also, mm -hmm. like this card left intentionally blank. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> if I ever get a tattoo. Uh huh. It will be a lower back tattoo that says, this space left intentionally blank. <laughs> See, because I spend the whole podcast signing stuff. It makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. You gotta leave room for me. See, your name is oh, right wait. there. Oh, wait. And my name, you're signing my name. I, do I have to sign oh your my, name I, now? I, I'll sign your I name. I didn't realize we were both signing both cards. I we don't just know. complicated this process I don't know that significantly. Those are the misprints that are gonna be extra valuable. Okay. <laughs> So we thought we'd actually talk about jobs today, right? The idea being jobs that we'd had, what we felt about having our jobs, and how we found our way to writing. Well, and it's a good thing for artists to talk about, professional mm -hmm. self-employed artists. I went to my 20-year high school reunion, a surprisingly and painfully large number of years in the past from this conversation. <laughs> and they do those little games, you know, and I see, I can't, Gesture no, no, no. and sign you can talk, at the same time. You sign while I'm talking. Okay. And I sign while you're talking. Excellent. And then we're both more engaged and interested. There we go. So you know those things they do at high school reunions where they're like, who has the most kids? Who traveled the farthest? And all that. They did, who's had the most jobs since graduating? And everyone was like three or four at the most. Except for me and my friend who became a filmmaker who tied for 14. <laughs> So, yeah, artists wow. have a lot of jobs as we just kind of scrimp and save and try to pay bills and feed children. So, so what was your first? My first job out of college, out uh, of high school? Like high school, yeah. What was out your high school job? My first job out of high school. Did you have a job in high school? I, did, I had a job in high school. My very first paying professional job when I was 16 years old was right over here in the Salt Lake City Cemetery. I was a groundskeeper. Okay. Which is. Very fitting, I think, for me. Yeah. Um, wow. That, that, I didn't know this. You didn't know that? No. It was fun. I uh, worked one week on the mowing crew, yeah. which was awful, because you had to like walk around in the sun and carry heavy things. And then I got onto the watering crew, and I spent the rest of the summer just watering lawns at the cemetery, which was great. It was awesome. Have I told you the story about my son, Dallin, and cemeteries? So, no. Dallin is my kid who likes the macabre, right? He's one of us. Um, he's a little, he's a little weirdo. This is the one who wants to be a zombie and yes. lay, pretend yeah, to be yeah, yeah. a prop. I, I told that on, the, on yeah. the, yeah. So he was, I kid you not, he was like four, right? Where he's four years old and my grandmother passes away, his great grandmother. And so we go to the graveside to a uh, graveyard, and he was just at the window, eager. And then we drove through the graveyard, and he went like this, and then he looked at us, and he's like, where are the hands? <laughs> I kid you not, he's four, he's not, like, and he'd been playing Plants vs. Zombies, the video game, and it starts with a hand coming out of the grave, and they have the graves and stuff. He legit <laughs> thought you buried someone with their hand out. It really ruined his entire day. He'd been looking forward to the funeral and I had no idea why, why this is gonna be a boring thing for a four-year-old. No, he was really excited and he got to the graveyard and there's no zombie. That hand. is amazing. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. So working in a cemetery, 
I had a lot of time to see all the different kinds of headstones and to decide which kind of headstone I eventually want to have. Like, do you want to have the, you know, kind of classic graveyard kind of thing or something wide? There's some that are benches. I eventually settled on my ideal headstone for my grave is you a are drinking so fountain. You are so weird. Wait, did you say a drinking a fountain? A drinking fountain, yeah. Big stone see, thing, I and it says, you know, reactions. here lies our beloved husband and father, Dan Wells, you know, 1977 to 2024. I don't know how long I'm going to live. <laughs> and then at the top, there's a little spigot coming out, and you can get a drink. <laughs> it's going to turn into a pilgrimage site, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, it's going like, to be amazing. When, when society collapses and all they have in it is intentionally blank, <laughs> and they dig it up, and they're like, ooh, the sacred documents, whatever. They'll be like, oh, we have to make a pilgrimage to the, to the sacred water fountain. Yes. You're going to start a religion. All the Dan Wells super fans are like, ah, yes, we must drink Dan-flavored water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, my first job was in high school. Okay. And it was also thematically appropriate a little bit. I was a paper boy. Ooh. Yes, you know, kind of writing okay. adjacent, right? By the way, paperboy, worst job in the world. Any former paper carriers here? Yeah, worst yeah. job, right? Like, they make, you're, you're like 12, right? And you're an independent contractor, which is just the dumbest thing in the world, right? And so they sell you the newspapers and you resell them for the price that they say using their rules, their delivery mechanisms. They're, they're just employees, but they skirt around giving you any benefits. And then you have to collect the money and pay them back for the newspapers that you've gotten. It is such a scam. I mean, it's a job that a 12-year-old can have. So I guess there's mm -hmm. that. And it was, you know, good to get me out of the house. So that part was good. But I look back at them like, you are absolutely exploiting these kids. Well, this and is... their parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're really exploiting their parents. I had an afternoon paper. Not a morning paper, because me. Um, <laughs> but I had to deliver the Your Saturday. Your afternoon paper was a morning paper. <laughs> I had to deliver the Saturday and Sunday in the morning. And, oh, man, I can barely remember ever doing it, despite having done this for, like, four years. Because those times are a blur. I don't know that people got their newspapers, or if I was walking around just, you know, throwing my socks at them <laughs> or things. I'm like, ah, oh, tie up the newspaper, throw it. Yeah. So... I was also a paper boy, okay. which I guess I wasn't counting as a real job, because mm. uh, it isn't really. But no, no, you're an independent contractor. You're an independent yeah. contractor. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's independent. So, and that's when the movie Newsies came out. Oh. And they took every paper boy in Salt Lake City got to go see an advanced screening of Newsies. The newspaper did? The, did they the know what it was did? about? <laughs> Clearly not. A movie about corporations exploiting newspaper boys? Yeah, they, they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. <laughs> and then we rose up uh -huh. and did musical martial arts. Was Christian Bale your leader? <gasps> no. Oh. It was, uh, it was Utah, so it might have been a Baleful Christian. <laughs> oh. oh, that was good. Come on. That's at least as good as Luke Gorgeous. Oh, okay. Hang on. Talk for a minute. I have to recover. Okay. After 
Okay, yep. Paperboy and then Cemetery. I was a clerk in a, this is also a high school job. I was a clerk in a canvas shop called Sugar Wait. House Awning. Canvas? Yeah. There are stores that sell only canvas. Yeah, mostly it was awnings and boat covers. That's a really specialized store. Yeah. I had no... It was two blocks from my house, and uh -huh. the, so that's where I was able to get a job. Okay. And the, how old were you? This was the summer between junior and senior year of high school. Okay. Okay. So, so is there anything amusing about selling canvas? No, there isn't. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to go through the list. No, there wasn't really anything fun or exciting. I liked the people that I worked with. The job wasn't funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it is funny in its mundanity. Mm -hmm. I mean, you yeah. sold canvas. Like, I sold canvas. Like, that's the sort of job you give to somebody when you're coming up with the most boring job. People think yeah. it's accounting, but it's not. <laughs> They're like, what, what are you going to yeah. do? It's the death of a salesman. I want the most boring job possible. What are they going to sell? Canvas. Like, that's got to be like one of Harry Potter's jobs in between school years. Right, right, right. right. It was like, yeah. you live under the stairs and you sell canvas for a living. Someone here is a canvas salesperson and they're like, no, no, no. They're like 17 different varieties of canvas that you have to use in different situations. <laughs> they're building a canvas-based magic system right now. <laughs> that would be amazing. Second job for you. Okay, second job for me was thematically relevant again. Ooh. Library. BYU. Okay. I got fired. <laughs> I got fired from the library. Guess what book series I wrote soon thereafter. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is 100% true. So, all right. So, I thought, hey, library, good job for a guy who loves books, right? And so, I go to the library and I apply for their job. And they did this thing where they would hire four people and keep two of them, which I think is kind of whatever. Very um, Hunger Gamesy. Very Hunger Gamesy. So they hired four of us, and I said, okay, good. I'm going to be good at this job. I know books. I'm actually a very kind of friendly customer service person. And then they sat me in a seat and they said, your job is to look through this catalog and then look up in our thing and see if we have this book. And if we have this book, you put a cross through it. And if we don't have the book, you circle it. And that is what you're going to do every day for eight hours. And I'm like, do I help people? And they're like, if you have to. Like if someone shows up and is just like, won't leave you alone, you can help them. But your job is actually to help the librarians who maintain the collections at the library know which books they have. And these were not like, I'm not like, oh, do we have the new Robert Jordan? No, 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 no. This is a university library. It is like, you know, do we have the particulate infusions of canvas-based mathematics? <laughs> volume 17. Oh, that's the best volume. Yeah. And meanwhile, I wanted to help people find books. And I got in trouble for leaving my post and going back to the section and telling people which books were great. This is not like a public library. This is a university library. And I would come back and they're like, you have not finished your catalog. I'm like, a person needed to know that Guy Gabriel Kay is a really great writer and is underappreciated and he helped write the Silmarillion. And they're like, no, no, no do your book thing. Do you, do you read? And uh, I lasted like a month, uh, <laughs> maybe not even that long before they're like, uh, you're a square peg in a round hole, is what they told me. They were probably right. I think that their hole was stupid. 
<laughs> and I parted ways with that company. Meanwhile, okay. my wife had a job three floors down where they actually let her help people. At the, what? Yeah, she was at the reference desk, and they let the reference desk help people, but not the desk next to the science fiction section. <laughs> I know, right? I love the idea of some library admin being like, where should we put the worst job we have? Next to the science fiction section. <laughs> ah, ha, ha. My college job, I also had a, one of those dumb student jobs at BYU. Mm -hmm. well, I was a custodian in the Fine Arts Building. Ooh. Once again, I don't a, have a cool thing to no, tell no, you. No, no, that's adjacent to us. It is adjacent to yeah. art. Yeah. It was the Fine Arts Center, so it's mostly theater and music. I have seen this movie. The custodian at the art thing is always a secret artist genius. And it's true. <gasps> it's yes. like goodwill hunting. Except I was like playing trumpet in the halls instead of solving yeah, math problems. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. He was the trumpet player, not me. Yeah. The cool thing about this, the Harris Fine Arts Center, BYU, it looks like it's maybe three or four stories tall. It's like 19 stories tall, but they're all underground. Yeah. And you can just go down and down oh, it, and down. It reaches straight asphodel, right? Like, yeah. It is, I always hated getting class there because I'm like, oh no, right? How am I going to find this yeah. class? Is yeah. this going to be... In one of the, and they always the classrooms that touches there. sunlight. No, right? and there, yeah, because I, I went to, I asked somebody at some point, like, what's the the actual lowest level? And so they took me one level below what I already thought was the lowest level, and they're like, this is the furnace room, and you go in, and it's this huge cement room where they have this giant furnace that's at least two stories below where you stand to oh, look wow. at it. It was, it so, goes see, so deep. That's the heat of the underworld. Yeah, it was just geothermal yeah, yeah, yeah. or infernal yeah, heating. Yeah, yeah. Except I used asphodel in the inferno. Isn't asphodel cold? Someone give me. I don't know. Which one is cold? I was going to say Kyber because I'm a D&D nerd. What's that? In the actual Dante's Inferno, one of the ones we think is hot is actually cold. But it's called Inferno, so I'm sure part of it's hot. It's got to be. Yeah, I think the center's hot, the outside's cold. Or Dante just didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I'm sure Dante did not know what the word hot meant. I'm, no, sure, I, I'm sure the word hot, yeah. Uh, or no, the, it's like the, the translator. What's that? It's the ninth level. I believe you guys played the video game Hades, right? They have like a level full of lava and stuff. And I think they had to like cheat and be like, yeah, this, because in the actual Inferno, this wasn't like one of the hot levels. They're like, uh, the river of lava broke and flooded it. Uh, <laughs> so that it's actually what people expect from going to Hades. But yeah. what's that? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. So here's the thing. Okay. After the library, my next job was the hotel. And this was my last job ever. So I got fired from the library, right? Not bitter at all. Did not write a six-book series um, <laughs> uh, about my experiences with the wrong kind of librarians. There's lots of great librarians out there. I just did not have the experiences with them. So I get fired, and I'm like... This is kind of a big deal because, oh yeah, we need to swap now, huh? Um, so that we can sign each other's cards. Um, so I'm like, what do I do? I can't actually pay for college. Do I go home? Do I, I forgot a job. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Uh, what, what do I do? And meanwhile, my roommate at the time, Micah Demo, for whom Captain Demo is named in the Mistborn books, was like, oh, hey, uh, you should come work at the hotel with me. We actually need a night person to work overnight. 
and you stay up all night. And I'm like, this is genius. <laughs> Micah, you're a genius because I'm like, do you think I can like, you know, write stories? They're like, yeah, sure. All we would want is you to stay awake. The previous guy that we had fell asleep on the couch and wouldn't check people in. I'm like, you actually want me to help the people who come in? You don't secretly want me to like look and see if each room has a specific kind of painting and look through the paint. He's like, no, it, you know, your job is to make people happy. You don't have to sell anything on the night audit, right? It's Provo, Utah. People don't come in after about 7 p.m., right? Like curfew for a lot of you know, these people is like 7.05. Um, and so I would get there at 10 p.m. And he was right. Almost no one had come in. A lot of hotels, a lot of motels in particular, you would have you know, people driving on the freeway and stop. Here, it's like 11 p.m., crickets, right? It's just empty. Even like when the sports team came, that everybody is like, you know, <laughs> at other hotels hates the sports teams here. They were really good. I don't know what it is about Provo. Maybe that's something they put in the water. There's no trouble they could go get into Yeah, there's anywhere. no trouble to go get into. You know who did show up late at your hotel all the time was yes. us. Yes. Our group of nerd friends, we would show up, we'd play Magic the Gathering, we would do role-playing games, we yep. would be there all hours of the night because the guy in charge was our friend. Yeah, it had a nice lobby. We all were poor students, and so we had pretty small houses. And this nice lobby with a fireplace. Oh, it was um, so cool. And, you know, cushy couches and leftover donuts that was my job to throw away sometimes from the day before. And you know what? When you're a college student, you're like, wait, leftover donuts? They're only a day old? Um, <laughs> you know? You and Micah did get me a job. That was my next job after okay. that one. I did work there in the hotel, but only for a few months. Yeah. I was the breakfast guy. I was the one that set out the donuts and did the orange juice machine and all this kind of stuff. It was not a very good breakfast. It no. wasn't like the kind that they make eggs or whatever, but we eventually got, I did work in that hotel. Uh, we eventually got one of those. So we could say we, they could say we had a hot breakfast. They got a, a waffle iron. Yeah. And like this, this stuff that just came in a big pre-thing that you just dump in. Oh. Um, See, when I was there, it was just a toaster and a bunch of Eggo waffles. Ah. And they're like, enjoy our complimentary hot breakfast. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It was actually a really great place to work, but it never worked out for any of my other writer friends, right? Like Isaac tried as well, who's now my art director. He got a job at the same hotel, but he made the mistake of getting the one by the freeway, same hotel chain. Oh. Uh, and so he was busy all night. But also, Isaac turns into, um, I was going to say a pumpkin, but really, he turns into weird Isaac at about 11 p.m., right? <laughs> yeah, you I've guys met weird this. Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like he would not mind me saying this. At about 11 p.m., the part of Isaac's brain that says, don't say that, goes to sleep. <laughs> right? Um, you might have friends that that part's always asleep. <laughs> um, but Isaac, about 11 p.m., he is not a night person. Oh, did I? I missed, I missed one. Oh, he oh. Mm -hmm. thinks he's so good at signing stuff. <laughs> he missed one. Okay, so that was your last job before going full-time, Yeah, right? except I, for, I skipped one. What was the one you skipped? I skipped, so I served a mission mm -hmm. for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Korea. I got back, and my mom and dad are like, we have lined up a job for you so that you can be a productive member of society. You are going to sell corn on the side of the road. <laughs> 
This is Idaho. I wish that I had known that. Yeah, 90% of Idaho sells corn or potatoes on the side of the road. I am it's confident. Just, it's just the place you go, yeah. <laughs> I am confident in saying that I and every other person in this room is absolutely heartbroken that I never got the chance to buy corn from Brandon Sanderson yeah. on the side of the road. On the side of the road, yeah. So Can we do like a pop-up kiosk sometime? <laughs> This is, I mean, I grew up in Nebraska, so corn, you know, yeah. a thing. And they had lined up this job for me, and there's some fun aspects to it because I had decided while I was in Korea I wanted to be a writer. I just decided it years before, but while I was in Korea, I'm like, no, I'm really going to do this. Yeah. As a missionary, you have one day off a week, and I had been working on my first story in a notebook, handwritten. I still have the notebook where I was writing fantasy stories on my mission in Mexico. Yeah, we had a, oh, <laughs> I've still got mine too. Yeah, future and, episode right there. Uh, we'll, we'll bring them along. And you don't get a lot done, you know, one day a week. And it's a day where you have to do like all your laundry and stuff too. So mm -hmm. you don't get very far in a book, but sitting by the side of the road in a pickup truck with a bunch of corn in the back and a sign that says buy corn, you actually have a lot of time <laughs> just sitting there. And so I sat there and I worked on the story. I did a whole bunch of notes on this thing and worked on this thing just sitting in the front cab of that truck. But I got to tell you, you're going to love this. this. My mom's an accountant, right? And I have an entrepreneurial streak, if you can't tell by the way that I've approached my career. I always say that, you know, this is, this is what one of my big advantages is, is that I am a writer who was raised by an accountant. So when I'm writing stories, only the story matters. But when I'm done, I lock the writer in a closet, I take the manuscript, and I exploit it in any way humanly possible, <laughs> right? And my dad, who had set up this job for me, you know, he said, all right, you're an independent contractor. I'm like, oh, really? It's like, yes, you go and you pick up the corn. And my dad was facilitating this as a side job. And so he actually had several of these places selling corn. And you pick up the corn here. These are the seconds, uh, not the seconds, the, uh, you could go early and get it from this guy's field. So they weren't the seconds, they were good corn, but the rest would get machine taken to the supermarkets. How early did you have to go to get so, corn out of a guy's was, field? I was right back from a mission. It was like eight in the morning. Oh, okay. And it was fine because I'm it wasn't I'm just imagining your morning. dad being like, okay, you don't yeah. have to talk to the guy. Just show up really early before he's awake and take the corn directly <laughs> out of his field. Right. Trust me, I've paid him already. Um, so <laughs> the way that my dad worked with all these people is we were contractors. He was the facilitator and we bought the corn from him and then we took it to the stand and we put out the sign of the guy's farm it was and we sold the corn. And this time I was not taking it. I realized that the corn would sell just as well. It was like, you know, I can't remember. It was, it was like, you know, 12 for a dollar. I'm like, it sells just as well at 12 for a dollar 50. And then I get 50 cents extra per sale <laughs> because I'm an independent contractor Therefore, I should be able to charge the prices to fit the market because I'm the retailer. Uh, nice. And my dad did not like that at all. <laughs> he once drove by and he's like, $1.50 for 12? What are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, supply and demand. Um, <laughs> so That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I made, I made a little extra money. Um, okay, well, 
Everyone look forward to the Dragonsteel Corn kiosk <laughs> in the parking lot of a gas station somewhere in Pleasant Grove at some point. I forgot another job. <laughs> do you have another one? Do you do another one? Oh, I forgot man. another job. Okay, so I, uh, I, at this point, post the hotel, I started getting corporate jobs. Oh, that's right. You had to do like... So, um, I worked for you, two years at New Skin, down in Provo, hawking shampoo. But you were the creative writer, weren't I you? Was the, I was the you creative writer, and I was on the creative writer. Side. Yeah, so they were like, they here, those. you need to write 50 different congratulations letters that all sound different from each other. And I'm like, ah, and then I killed that guy. Um, <laughs> It was, it was not super fun. I wrote so many training manuals as a part of that job. And then I went to Icon Health and Fitness, which is up here in Logan. Worst employer in the state. At least 20 years ago when Allegedly. I was there. Allegedly. <laughs> by his opinion. When I was there, it was a terrible place to work. Mm. And I was there for exactly 11 months before I could stand it no longer. And then I went down and I worked at a place in Spanish Fork. And I have had a lot of jobs. I worked for a scrapbooking company in Pleasant Grove. Yep, that was the Stew Bad place. That was the Stew Bad. Well, no, it was the Trevani was the Stew Bad place. Oh, I always thought it was uh, the scrapbooking Close to company. my heart was yeah. the place where I'm like, I can stand this no longer. I must write about serial killers right now. <laughs> or I will become one. And then I know there's others. A lot of them are just work for hire and temporary stuff. But yes. What's the other one you forgot? Okay, so this is another one of these interim jobs when I'm just back from the mission. You can only really sell corn during the corn season. Who knew? And BYU didn't start up till January. And so corn season ends. It's like early November for this, okay. this farmer. And I need a job for two months. And again, my parents are there because this is how my parents are. They're like, we have lined up another job for you. I'm like, okay, great. And it was selling ties... Okay. At a pop-up seasonal cart in the mall at Idaho Falls, oh, across yes. from Suncoast Motion Picture Company, where they played Jingle All the Way in the windows on repeat every day. Oh, Melissa's nodding. So Melissa was a bookseller for many years. Now you're a librarian, a good librarian, up in Idaho <laughs> Falls. And this is, the Barnes & Noble wasn't there yet when I was doing this. And Melissa was an employee at the Barnes & Noble. But so it was right there, kind of where the Barnes & Noble is now. And I just, I sold ties. I sold neckties and watched, because there was no sound, watched Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad, you know, <laughs> struggle for a superhero toy in a really bad movie, like over and over again. I've never heard this movie. I've seen it, seen it hundreds of times. It is a silent film. Yes. I'm sure many who saw it wished it were. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe the dialogue was, like, brilliant. It's possible. It's possible that this movie that has, like, a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is secretly a gem, and that's all a conspiracy against me. Yeah. Yeah. It's they written just... in iambic pentameter. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure Arnold would do a great job with that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely amazing. It's the visuals that it, it's just this weird artistic mishmash thing that they were doing. So, first of all, we've learned that our corn kiosk is also going to sell ties. Yes, yes. This, this, was, this was, unfortunately, post-Jerry Garcia. Like, Jerry Garcia was, like, 
post the Derek Garcia ties. We didn't yeah. have any of those. No. So maybe they were too fancy for us or... Well, you um, were doing seasonal like Christmas ties well, too, right? Well, the idea was you sold them to people who wanted a present for their dad. Oh, who okay. didn't know what to sell. That's why it was, a, there were some seasonal, but people didn't buy so those. So they weren't like covered with reindeer. No, no. Oh, this is Idaho. They were covered with elk for you to shoot. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not joking. Like the best seller was an elk tie. No, um, uh, because yeah. the Ben, the yes. Ben of our the podcast, ben. who is from Iona, Idaho, yep. the one tie he's given me has a moose on it. Yeah. 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 It's like what you want to do is you want to go to church and you want to be able to look around and imagine all the things that you can murder, <laughs> right? Um, you know, metaphorically as nooses around the necks of the men near you. And you know, that's just, that's okay. just what it's about. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Church in Idaho, I guess. Yeah. Now uh, that's gonna be a giant rush. Everyone's gonna wanna go. Well, the convention ends Saturday and Idaho's not very far away. <laughs> If you want to go to church in Idaho Falls this Sunday, you can do it. I believe in you. Church in Idaho is really interesting. <laughs> you know, rural Idaho. I've been to church there. You show up and people are like, so does anyone want to do, what are we doing today? Like, <laughs> that happens so often. Yeah. Like, you, you go to one of the meetings and someone's like, what are we talking about? We had the lesson today. Yeah, what do you, it happened like, like, that's a joke and a meme, but there, they were just all laid back about it. It was actually mm -hmm. really fun. They're just like, uh, hey, Jim, you went hunting. Tell us about the trip. Like, we would do that a whole bunch. Okay. And it was real laid back, and it, it actually really Did they really draw spiritual it. metaphors out of those stories? Don't remember a lot of those. <laughs> um, but, you know, camaraderie is like a, you know, an important thing. So talking about your hunting trip. It was one in a very long string of uh, places I went that did not know what to do with me. <laughs> um, right? Because they're like, so, Brandon, did you do any hunting? And I'm like, I wrote a science fiction novel. And they're like, <laughs> about what? And I'd be like, uh, you know, it's a post-cyberpunk story about an immortal man. Who, and they're like, <laughs> I mean, they were very nice. They were super nice. Very nice, very they, supportive. They were like, That's great. Do you still selling corn? Get that good corn. Yep. Okay, should we, do you want to hear about my newest job? I do want to my hear about your newest, newest your brand job. Is, Dan, Dan is changing jobs on Monday. Dan is changing jobs. Yes. Uh-huh. Guess who I am going to be working for? Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> so, we, a couple of years ago, he wrote a book called Apocalypse Guard. Mm -hmm. that didn't work. Yes. And he brought it to me and said, hey, do you want to collaborate on this book and maybe you can help me fix it? And so I did another draft and we looked at it and said, yeah, this, this still doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but we very much enjoyed the process of writing together. And mm -hmm. so then he gave me Dark One and he mm -hmm. said, here, this is a, an outline that I have. Do you want to collaborate on another book? And so I wrote that one, and this one did work. Yes, very good. It worked very well, and we both really loved the experience, again, of working together, co-writing books, doing all this stuff. And so then... Meanwhile, on my side, the whole Brandon Sanderson thing has gotten kind of big. <laughs> um, yes, it is. And I was talking to my team, and I'm like, I need help with the narrative side of this. I need another brain. The goal will be eventually, like, 
you know, we're going to do dark one, but the goal eventually be to have Dan just kind of help me work on the Cosmere and things like this. Like I need another, I need another writing brain. And I need somebody who can write stories that I can't was another thing and stuff like that. And I had been thinking for a while, I'm like, I need another me. <laughs> and uh, the idea I kept coming to Can I'm you like, imagine, by the way, someone who writes four secret novels and is like, this is not enough. <laughs> It's not just those, though. It's like the whole concept behind it, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, I need help to manage the whole thing. Not just the books, but, you know, the entire series. And I'm like, well, Dan's the best writer I know. Maybe I should ask Dan. I'm like, uh, Dan's, like, doing his RPG man thing. You've left that one out. Yeah, um, I was a professional game master game for three master. years. And Ended that two weeks ago because of this. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he gets to play games for a living. Why would he want to? But I'm like, well, if he works for me, he doesn't have to get up at a specific time. <laughs> and he can wear his pajamas. Oh, um, I'm going to. And so I came to him and I'm like, do you want to come on full time as the vice president of narrative at my company? And so Dan is coming on on Monday as the vice president Monday. of narrative at Dragonsteel. And yeah. The, so that is going to entail writing a bunch of books. There'll be a bunch of co-written Dan and Brandon Cosmere books. Yep. We're going to start with some non-Cosmere stuff because we got to get Dark One. Yep. We're really excited by Dark One, and so that's our first project. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what Dark One is, it's a book I've been wanting to write for like 20 years. <laughs> you can see me talking about it honestly like 10 years ago. It's the idea of teenager finds out that he's, you know, the prophesied person from a fantasy world that he's going to get to go to, except he's prophesied to be the Dark Lord who's going to destroy them, and they've decided to preemptively try to assassinate him so that he can't come take over the fantasy world. So it's, what if you find out Narnia's real and it's trying to kill you? Um, yeah, uh, which is just such a Dan story. <laughs> um, so it is, it's a portal fantasy, kid from our world goes into a fantasy world. Yep. Evil sorcerer from fantasy world comes into our world mm -hmm. and starts murdering people. Yep. So there's a lot of Dan and Brandon crossover there. Yep. The book itself, we still are in the process of revising that. But as early as January, mm -hmm. the prequel will be available in audio. You can't call it a prequel because you wrote it before the book. I understand. <laughs> so we wrote a thing called Dark One Forgotten, which is written and it is audio native, specifically because we wanted to do it in the style of a true crime podcast. It's so, basically like serial but fake. Yeah. Imagine right? if halfway through Serial they discovered that there was a supernatural serial killer murdering people. That's what Dark One Forgotten is. It's six episodes, hour-long mockumentary podcast thing. It's really cool. I turned in the final revisions this morning. Mm. It's great. So this is what we're doing. This is the new thing. Yeah. So now he can come do Intentionally Blank and actually get paid for <laughs> it. Get paid for it. <laughs> now it's on the clock. I will say to mollify any fears that might be out there, though don't think I didn't notice the huge applause he got when he got up on the stage and, and I got very tiny applause <laughs> when I got up on the stage. But my own career is not disappearing. I'm still going to be writing my own stuff. As of yesterday, we finally said yes to the last contract. Netflix is buying Zero G. Mm. Um, and we're very excited about that. So there's still Dan Wells alone stuff, there's still going to be Brandon writing his own stuff, but there's going to be a lot of 
overlap with the two of us. So, hooray! Hooray! How's that, Fanex?